0: Going. Hey, can I just say one final thing? Um, if you are not in a life group, they have started again for this term. So just use the QR codes, and we would love to get you into a life group. They're all over the Northern Beaches, all ages, all genders, all positions in life are welcome. We would love to have you in a life group. All right. I want to start today by doing something a little bit different. Um, I was tempted just to show his sermon rather than mine, but it's a short clip from Pastor John Wimber um, preaching on signs of power accompanying the preaching of the gospel. I know I often mention this guy, John Wimber, regularly here at Manly Life it's because, you know, he's a bit of a hero of mine. Um, sadly, he passed away in the late 90s. If you're wondering who John Wimber was, he was the keyboard player for the Righteous Brothers. Um, Do you remember that band, like Unchained Melody? No, because it was a hit in the 1960s. Um, But he got radically converted and he ended up starting the vineyard movement of churches. Um, But he also had a profound impact on the the Alpha Course, on modern worship, and and just on me, on my understanding of Jesus and the Kingdom of God. Um, His basic testimony is he got saved, so he thought I should go to a church... And then he started reading his Bible, and then he began to ask, "When do we start to get to do this stuff, right? <laughs> you know, like the stuff that Jesus said that we would get to do?" And um, the pastor, the lovely pastor, but he said, "You know, that was Jesus. We don't do that stuff anymore." And, and Wimber's reading of the Bible was that this stuff should be available to us today. And so he said, "Well, why don't we just give it a go? Let's let's do the stuff. Let's let's see what happens when we pray for the sick." Let's see what happens when we preach the word in the open air. Let's see what happens when we pray for people to get see, set free from addictions. Uh, he famously said, when we prayed for no one, no one got healed. Uh, when we started praying for everyone, some began to get healed. And his question he then posed was, well what do we want? Do we want some to get healed or do we want nothing to ever happen in church? Some people want nothing to ever happen in church. I I get that. But, you know, we want to go after the things of the kingdom. So let's watch John Humber. This
1: format, this dynamic, this power encounter created a foundation for the preaching of the gospel. It made an opening, it made a way for the preaching of the gospel. As it is with much supernatural phenomena. Many times when God does something of this nature, a, and by that I mean something in the, in the supernatural realm that really doesn't have any uh, direct bearing to healing or direct bearing even, in this case, the salvation. He does these kinds of things as a platform for the preaching of the gospel. And Peter, believe me, if Peter had not gotten up in the 14th verse and preached the gospel that he preached, there would have been no conference that day. We must have the coupling of the transrational with the rational. The supernatural with the natural, the power of evangelism with the program evangelism. We have to have a presentation of the gospel, but we also have to have the presence of Almighty God working with us. And it is that that I'm speaking to, and it is that I'm calling you to account with this week. That we recognize that there's an encounter going on, people. There's an antagonism antagonism today against the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but more importantly, there's an antagonism against his personhood, against his presence. And when the presence of God comes into your sanctuary and into your life, you will find that you have antagonism. that you're frightened and put off and bewildered and upset, perplexed and vexed against the very God that you've been invited to come for years and move among you. The first time that the Lord Jesus Christ sent His Spirit in great power among us, I was fit to be tied for days. I was so angry, I was so upset, I wanted to get out of ministry. I said, no way am I going to put up. Why, well, that's absurd, what God did. <laughs> of course, I wasn't absolutely sure it was God. But even after I was convinced it was God, I had to go with it. And I want you to know that. When God began moving among us, that particular night, we were having a church service, and, and back that, that Sunday afternoon, I, I was coming out of the, the church service. It was Mother's Day of all days, Mother's Day. You'd think you'd be safe in church on Mother's Day.
0: <laughs> Alright, we been listen to John all night. And, uh, you knew John, right? Back in the day in the UK. met him a few times. Amazing man of God. Well, I want to speak what he was speaking on tonight, which is. The Word of God and the Spirit of God working together. Uh, I want to speak on the Bible and the presence of God. On proclaiming and demonstrating the Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, Both through the Word, but also through deed. Uh, I want to speak on truth, but I also want to speak on the power that accompanies the truth. Uh, I want to speak on how healing and miracles is often a result... Of telling people about Jesus. Uh, or as Wimble would say, the rational and the transrational working together to bring the gospel forward. Uh, because our faith, right, it's not just an intellectual consent to a historic truth that we admire, that we hope will affect us one day in the future. It is that. <laughs> but it is also a relationship and it is an experience of God's power and glory. Uh, I was privileged as a young man spending some time in Kenya uh, with a marvelous mission organization called African Enterprise. And the chairman of AE Australia, Simba, is actually going to be interviewed here at Manly Life in two Sundays. And I know a lot of you um, have, have heard some of the different African evangelists here at Manly Life over the last 10 years. But being there for 10 months as a 21 year old felt a bit like doing a practical work placement. It felt like I'd been learning about Jesus and then all of a sudden I got thrust into doing the Jesus stuff. And it was was just super cool. Uh, I got to have a go. I did some preaching in schools and open air meetings. Got to pray for people. Uh, Got to visit these amazing aid and development projects. Uh, One of the... I was actually interviewed for their 60th anniversary celebration that's happening in Zambia in about two months time, just two weeks ago at the AE city office. And I was remembering how in Kenya, preachers love wearing colourful suits and carrying big Bibles. And I thought, i am got to get me one of those. And you can get a cheap suit tailor-made. So I got this white suit. We get full of Benny Hill stuff. Benny Hill, not Benny Hill. You the same person, right? Uh, and anyhow, I got this white suit made, and the first time I wore it, I remember walking out I thought the people I was staying with, these Kenyans, were going to laugh at me. And I walked out of my room and they were just like, wow, you look powerful. <laughs> it was very cool. And I think it was the second time I wore it, I was preaching in this open air crusade in one of the slums in Mathare North in Nairobi. And there's this, this red clay dirt and rubbish everywhere in the slums. We're preaching, big crowds listening. And then this m- almighty storm rolled across the valley and erupted on our open-air meeting. And all of a sudden, this like, red dirt was just splashing up and covering my white suit. And that was the end of my anointed, powerful white suit. But I think you're
1: getting another,
0: so we'll put a vote out there. But one of the things that struck me as I went on this practical work placement for Jesus, uh, for ministry, for all things His kingdom, was the expectation that my Kenyan Christian friends had. When they shared the good news of Jesus, they always believed and expected that two things would occur. Firstly, that people would respond to salvation. You know, if you are just faithful and mention Jesus and preach His name, Things will happen because there is power in the name of Jesus, right? But the second thing that almost shocked me more was that when they expected God to move, they expected him to do it with power and with miracles. Healing, restoration of people who got themselves in terrible situations. You know, and time and time again, in these open air meetings, or in schools, or in churches, or at their healthcare clinics, you know, people would respond to the gospel, come forward, receive Him as their savior, and then be visibly impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, often receiving healing or being set. I mean, there was a demon possessed woman I remember who I saw in uh, a Pentecostal church. She'd come under the spell of an aunt who was a witch. And she came, she manifested. I mean, I've never seen this stuff before. You know, I grew up in a conservative Anglican church. I was like, what's going on? But it was the powerful name of Jesus that set these people free. So time and time again, we would see the Word and the Spirit working together. So what does it look like when God's kingdom comes close? When heaven begins to break in? Uh, The Word we often talk about in the Scriptures is people get saved. Or salvation occurs. Um, The Greek word for salvation is sozo. And it means more than just having your sins forgiven. The meaning of sozo means to be made whole and to be healed and to be restored. And that was the expectation that in Jesus people would get sozo. They would get saved. They would not only receive the forgiveness of sins, but they'd also begin to have their physical bodies set free from pain. Things that oppress them, they begin to be delivered from. One scholar says this way, salvation then must mean more than simply being saved to go to heaven when you die. To be biblically saved means there's also earthly effects on our lives today. Not only are you free from the judgment of God, this salvation also includes the ability to resist temptation to sin. I want that to be set free from oppression and to receive healing in our physical bodies. In other words, like Jesus, is not all just, you know, pie in the sky when you die. There's cake on the plate while you wait. (laughs) Amen. And if that's going to happen, if people are going to get sozoed, if they're going to get saved in the real meaning of the word that Jesus, who is God amongst us, came to bring then it's going to include not just natural explanations of Jesus, but supernatural power to work in your life. 1 Corinthians 4.20, one of my favorite verses, says this. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Come on! Amen. If God's people are going to get sozoed, it's going to take some power. It's going to take some supernatural, transrational moves of God in our lives for it to happen in our generation again. And that's what we should be expecting, that the Spirit of God and the Word of God are going to be at work to accomplish these tasks. Now the wonderful thing was, that I didn't just learn that from these Kenyan guys and, you know, it was just their opinions. What I came to learn was that this is the Bible. This is exactly what we see in Jesus and Paul and the letters and then in church history. Paul says this, Romans 15 verse 18 to 19. Another one of my favourite verses. Paul says this to to the Roman church that got established in the heart of the empire. He said, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Lycorine I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. My old lecturer Gordon Fee on this verse. He used to. See, he said this in one of his commentaries. He said Paul begins by indicating the two means through which Christ has effectively been at work through him, by word and by deed. Now, word surely refers to his proclamation of the gospel, but deed calls for some explanation. So he immediately adds, by the power of signs and wonders. So that was Paul's expectation, that as as Pentecost fell, they proclaimed the good news in Jerusalem and their missionary journeys happened through the trade routes into the Roman Empire, down into Africa, across into Asia. The expectation was that it would be preached and demonstrated with power. For Paul, a full proclamation of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus, meant preaching and it meant signs and wonders. And both of those are a demonstration that God is here and that God is at work and that God is going to move in your life and begin to sozer you and get you whole. And I wonder, do you have a testimony of that? You know, do you have a story of how you came to faith and maybe encountered God? Do you have a story of rationally hearing the gospel and thinking, yeah, that makes sense? But then accompanying that, some kind of power encounter with God that has changed your life. We're going to have one tonight at the end of the service. Amen? Alright, that's what we're going to go after. Where do we see it? Firstly, we see word and spirit in Jesus. Come with me to Matthew 9:35 to 36. It says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So, I mean, that's a good place to start. Remember, this is all motivated by compassion. Jesus sees people, and they're harassed, and they're helpless, and so he responds And he proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God. And it says he heals every disease and sickness. Right? Word and spirit. There it is in Jesus. Can you imagine being there? It would have been wild. It would have been wild. You know, you're meeting people who are blind, who can now see. You're meeting people who couldn't walk, who have now picked up their mats and are dancing for joy. It would have been wild, wild, wild. Just like our church services, right? (laughs) So that's Jesus. You come into church and you're following him. That's the guy you're following. Luke 4, we're told that he was full of the Holy Spirit. And we can read what that means for his life and ministry. One of my favorite Jesus stories, a few chapters on in Matthew 11. John the Baptist sends a messenger to ask Jesus if he is the Messiah or is there still one to come? Awesome mode of confidence, John the Baptist. Appreciate your good work. <laughs> I thought that's a bit weird, right? But I mean, this is what Jesus says, okay? Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Right? The rational, the preaching of the word, and the transrational healing and signs and wonders. Second place we see this is in the book of Acts in the early church. Come with me to Acts 3 and 4. Basically, you know, at Pentecost, Peter gets up, preaches this knockout sermon. Tells them about Jesus who's been crucified. He's now risen from the dead. Uh, people are cut to the heart. It says 3,000 people respond to the gospel that day and get sozoed. They get saved. And what happens in the next chapter? Right? The very next chapter, Acts, this is why you've got to read your Bibles. It's, a, it, it's good stuff. Right? Acts chapter 3, Peter heals a lame beggar. There's that combo. Preaching of miracles. Word and spirit. Here's the boom, mic drop moment. Verse 6. Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Come on. And this poor bloke, who's been sitting there begging for years, gets up and begins to walk around and praise God. And it says the people who were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had more wonder and amazement at what is happening in the church today? Now, it's a cool story, right, because the stuff Jesus was doing is now continuing to happen through his spirit-filled followers. Now, remember what we were saying in the video. It's the demonstration of the power of God that can then lead to the explanation of what has happened in Jesus. Now, the order's not important. Sometimes it's preaching and then miracles. Sometimes it's miracles and then preaching. But it's the rational and the transrational working together to bring forth the kingdom of God into the world. So Peter's got everyone's attention. He preaches the good news. That's Acts chapter 4. You can read about it. He's got a lot to say. But again, here's the boom, mic drop moment. Acts 4, 2 to 3. We we, we read that the religious leaders are not happy. You know? And and sadly, there are some religious leaders today that would not be happy if a miracle occurred. (laughs) Now, that's too harsh. (laughs) So they chuck them in jail. Peter gets chucked in jail, right? Bummer. And here is what Peter says, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There's that word sozo once again. And what's happened? The good news has been preached. Someone has been healed. Holistic salvation is. Is the miracles and the proclamation. We could go on and on. Thirdly, this is the life of the churches that planted, that were planted by Paul. Now, I don't want to do too much on this tonight because we're heading there in the next few weeks. I've got a message on this. Peter's got a message on this. But simply to say, these demonstrations of power were then not just for proclamation and for evangelism. If you became a Christian and you began to meet in the early church, the Holy Spirit was still doing these miracles in their midst. Right? And so the gatherings of the early church, whether it be in Corinth or Ephesus or Rome, they're experiencing the continued work of God. Now we look at that next week, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul compares the church to a body with different parts. Each part has a role to play, he says. And then he explains the gifts the Holy Spirit gives as we gather. Verse 7, he says, The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he lists the gifts given through the Spirit, including messages of wisdom, knowledge, faith. He says, to another, gifts of healing, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy, and so on. Right. One of Wimber's famous phrases was, We all get to play Right? You can be the prophecy dude. You can be the miraculous powers dude. You, know, you can be the message of revelation and wisdom girl. You know? <laughs> that's got to be more fun than the way we do church right now. We all come and we all get to play. God gives a gift to you for the benefit of someone else. That's how it works. So he gives you a gift of prophecy He gives you that gift so that you can go and encourage someone else with the word of God. Amen? So for Paul, as we became followers of Jesus, we're filled with the Spirit. The same inspired words, wisdom and knowledge are accompanied by supernatural gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, when we gather as a community. This is the Bible. This is what we're told to do. Alright, do you want in on this? Yes.
1: I reckon it's worth it it's worth it, right? There's a
0: randomness to it. it. Kind of drives me a bit crazy sometimes. Like it says in John 3, that the spirit blows when the spirit blows. There's a randomness to all this. I don't know why so and so gets healed and faithful so-and-so doesn't, and, and and why it kicks off here and nothing's happening there. And I don't I don't know. It's God. But it's worth going for. It's worth going for. In general, this is what I would say, though. That when Jesus is preached, there is a grace for healing. Right? I think that's the whole point of my sermon. I've just (laughs) realised. If you talk about Jesus, that's when this stuff's going to occur. Right? That's the correlation. That's the link. Yeah, that's good. Should have written that down. Alright. Finally, we see this all through church history. It doesn't stop in the book of Acts. As some silly sausages say. This is all through church history. Uh, so the story of Jesus so telling people continues throughout church history. You go to the writings of the early church father Irenaeus. Writing in the 2nd century. He talks about the sick being healed. Uh, Origen in the 3rd century wrote that the name of Jesus takes away diseases. I was interested to read St. Augustine of Hippo. We've got a a school down the road named after that dude. He was a bishop of an African city. 4th century theologian, perhaps the greatest theologian of the first 4 centuries. He wrote a book called The City of God. And there is page after page... Of stories of people being miraculously healed and set free by God. Uh, he talks about a blind man's sight being restored in Milan. Four centuries after Jesus. He talks about a lady called Innocentius who's cured of incurable breast cancer. He talks about a doctor healed of gout, I don't know what that even is, in the very act of baptism. Right? I'm sure, you don't have gas. But how, uh, how amazing would that be if we're baptizing people and just <laughs> healing occurs? It just breaks out, right? Not, not okay. Moving on. Uh, the story continued the co- there was a comedian who was cured of paralysis. Hannah was clearly a couple of weeks ago sharing that story about her mum and all the, the mental health issues she had and all the struggles, and then she got impacted by the Holy Spirit and she ended up laughing for three days. And when she finally came out of the joy of the Holy Spirit, she was a changed and different woman. All right, finally, how does this all work? How how might it happen tonight? Right, this has got serious. How does it happen tonight? How might we encounter not only the truth of Jesus, but the power of Jesus through His Holy Spirit? Three quick suggestions. Firstly, we've got to get ourselves in an atmosphere of faith. Uh, it seems to me that there is a link between the presence of God, faith and power. And sometimes in a room, when we're worshipping, when we're believing the things, there is just a grace for this kind of stuff to occur. Now, church isn't always going to be like that. You know, we just did an entire series on the Sermon on the Mount. It was all about moral, ethical living. That's good. You know, sometimes you'll just be convicted of stuff and encouraged. And that's still a great church service. But we know this here, even at Manly Life, right, that there are services where the presence of God is thick. You know, I've known people who don't know the Lord to come into our services and just start crying. Not because my preaching is terrible, that might be part of it, but because they're encountering something they've never experienced before. And it's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. God. Uh, Secondly, the name of Jesus. If we want to see the kingdom of God manifest, remember it's about the king and his name is Jesus. You know, in some churches they get into techniques, there's nothing wrong with techniques, you know, we need 14 worship songs and soft keyboard and then something, you know. I mean, even John Wimber had a five-step model of healing and, and that was a good thing.